Thank you for listening to this special Stone Cold Country podcast, the new Churchless series, where we focus on our 25 years and younger that are keeping it country. We like to say we are bridging the old with the new. We passionately believe in the critical importance of keeping the traditional forms of country music alive. Please partner with us on our journey to keep tear-jerking, crying-in-your-beer, soaring steel guitar-type music on the airwaves and highways. But most importantly, we want you to keep this amazing music in your hearts. If you hear an artist you like, please fan them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, and stream them on your favorite platforms. And when possible, buy their music and merch directly from their website. By doing so, you become an important financial partner that is helping to sustain Nara's career. Additionally, you can also visit our site, stonecoldcountry.net, and explore great music and the many ways you can get involved in keeping traditional country music alive. The New Traditionalist 2021. Hey, Cameron. Hey. Say hi, Anna. Hey, Cameron. How are you? Hey, doing okay. Doing okay. So you're on the road, huh? Right now I'm in uh, Spring Branch, right north of San Antonio. Oh, all right. Are you going to be doing a show tonight or tomorrow? Oh, yeah. We got one tomorrow. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds awesome. Well, hey, you know, um, just your single, I think it's called... Uh, Breakfast of a Fool. Breakfast of a Fool. There you go. Um, and we love it. I mean, we just, I, we love that old school, traditional country sound. And um, But I was looking around and it looks like you have two singles. And that was all I was able to find. Now, is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yeah, that's, okay. that's correct. We just released the uh, second single, I guess, a couple of weeks ago called Taking This Leaving Too Far. Oh, all right. It all sounds real good, though, I will tell you. So we Thank just you. wanted mm-hmm. so we just wanted to give um, the folks that listen to our show. So firstly, we have a radio show called uh, Stone Cold Country, and we play just traditional country music. Um, we like to say that we bridge the old with the new. So um, with that being said, we play a lot of artists like yourself that are putting classic you know, sound in country, you know, George Jones and George Strait type of country music. Yeah. <laughs> right. Real and, country and, music. Well, that's our opinion too. That's our opinion too. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Cameron, we also play, you know, some of the classics sprinkled in, you know, like yeah. we'll play, um, you know, we'll play some Hank Sr. We'll play some Lefty Frizzell. We'll play um, some Vern Gosden, some, you know, old George Strait from the 80s and 90s and, you know, and that type of thing. So um, that's why we say we bridge the old with the new. And so anytime we come across artists that are putting out that kind of music now, we try to reach out as soon as possible. Because, <laughs> you know, firstly, we want y'all to know that, you know, there's a community that supports this kind of country music. That's number one, even now. And number two, you know, we want to keep this alive because, yeah. um, you know, I, again, I don't, uh, I don't bash and trash anybody, <laughs> but, you know, some of the stuff that we're hearing right now, Cameron, you know, it's just not, um, just not, not the, my the, cup of tea. yeah, that's all, you know, like I said, I don't want to, you know, be mean to anybody or anything. Some people do, you know, a lot of different types of music real good. And that's fine. But, you know, it's it's kind of not what, um, you know, I guess not our preference. Right, Anna? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. So, yeah, so we, you know, just want to get to know you better and, you know, get 
kind of some background information so that our, you know, audience can get to know you better as well. So one of the first questions that we have is, you know, tell us about how you got started in the music business. Okay. Uh, well, I got, I got started um, in it. My uh, dad played, um, my dad was a fiddle player and he played a lot with uh, Tracy Bird. We were from uh, Beaumont, Texas. Oh, nice. So my dad grew up playing uh, fiddle contests first with Mark O'Connor. Him and Mark O'Connor used to go all over Texas and play. And um, then he started playing with Tracy Bird and, and um, Clay Walker, Mark Chestnut, and all those guys down in the Beaumont area. Mm-hmm. And then my aunt took it from there and moved to Nashville and was going to college up there for music and uh, then got offered a job, I think, with Pam Tillis first. And so she started playing the fiddle for Pam Tillis. Wow. And then went on to, after Reba's band crashed, went on to start playing with Reba. And she's been with Reba ever since. Um, wow. Then, so I always had a connection there. And then... um me and my brother, my dad had me and my brother playing fiddle. So we used to go all over Texas when I was a kid playing fiddle contest. And uh, so from, I guess, about first grade, kindergarten, first grade, I was always, uh, it seemed like every weekend we were at an event at a fiddle contest somewhere in Texas. And so that's kind of how I got started. And then at, 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 uh, when I was about nine years old, I picked up the guitar. I got tired of playing the fiddle. And I got picked, I picked up the guitar and immediately I started uh, wanting to write songs uh, then at the age of nine. But there was always that uh, music background uh, there from my parents and my aunt and my grandparents. Everybody on my dad's side had always played an instrument and it was usually the fiddle. And so every Christmas when we would get together, it was like a big uh, family music jam. Everybody would bring instruments. That's awesome. <laughs> so there was always... There was always that, uh, and that's really what got me got me into music. Wow, that's great. That's fantastic. And it's great to have that support early on, too. I've, I've also heard where um, if you have folks that are in music, they don't want you to pursue it, you know, so that's good. You had the flip side where your folks were, you know, involved already in music, your family was, and they also did kind of encourage you to go on that same path. So that yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, they they were all in music, but they what they encouraged was not to be a backup musician for somebody. Not to right. be playing the fiddle. That's why my dad uh when when Bird got his deal, my dad didn't go out on the road. Uh my dad didn't want to be just one of those guys that you rely on someone else's career to keep doing good in order for you to pay your bills. Cause one day you look up 20 years down the road and they're retiring and they got all this money and you still got nothing. And so yeah. that's why he got on the road. He, he decided to, to go to college and, and he went to college and started uh, building companies. Wow. That's fantastic. Cool. All right, Anna, tell us about your hometown. What do you love about it? Well, it's, it's not even really a town. It's uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it is, there, there's no city limit, there's nothing. Um, I grew up when I was a year old. My dad and mom they wanted to escape Beaumont, and I don't blame them. I'm not a fan of Beaumont, it's really humid down there. It's kind of like a swamp, it's yeah. southeast Texas, and so they moved uh, 
moved us all out to Abilene. So I actually grew up out in Abilene, but we were about 35 oh, minutes southwest of Abilene, out in the middle of nowhere. And we had a couple hundred acres that I got to grow up riding a horse. And um, we were so far out that the only place, only thing to do was they ended up buying a restaurant out there in that area that was two miles from their ranch. And uh, so I grew up a lot of times as a kid down there at that restaurant and I'd eat and, and uh, hang out with all the old, old ranchers and all the people that would come that's in there. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I hung out there and then they would, they would do bluegrass jams once a month. They had a little stage back in the back and everybody in that area would come out and they'd put like a whole band together and we'd all get up and play bluegrass music. Very cool. Very cool. Well, if you like bluegrass music, we interviewed, um, I think a couple months ago, there's a new band, they're called Merle Monroe. I don't know if you've ever heard of them yet, but they're a bluegrass band. And the uh, co-founder and lead singer of that band is the brother of uh, Marty Raybon, the guy that sings lead in uh, Shenandoah. Have yeah. You heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I know Shenandoah. I met him uh, uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, Marty. Yeah, so Marty's brother, Tim is the lead singer and the co-founder of Merle Monroe. And it's like a, a new, you know, bluegrass band. They're like, they're bluegrass and kind of a little bit Americana, you know, that type of thing. But the yeah. music is, is so good. Yeah, if, if you if you like bluegrass, you, you may like them. You know, they're, yeah, they're really yeah. good. I love, yeah. I, love, uh, I love more modern bluegrass. I like people a lot like, uh, I don't know if y'all know of Will Jones. He's a national. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. okay. amazing. Dan Alley, all those guys kind of have that bluegrass root the way that they play the acoustic guitar. They're more like flat picket. Yes. But they have the voice for it and, and they're just amazing. That's the kind of bluegrass I like. Oh, uh, you'll like Merle Monroe then. You, you need to look them up. They're, they're yeah. really, really good. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us about your latest single. We've been spinning it. You know, where did you record it? You know, the producer on there and just, you know, if it has a backstory. Okay. Uh, I produce, I uh, recorded it at uh, Moose Brown studio. Uh, Moose Brown is a, was a songwriter that wrote songs like five o'clock somewhere uh, with Don Rollins. So I recorded at his studio and I had Jeff Sylvie doing the producing on it. I met Jeff when I first came to town. Uh, he's a songwriter for Irv Woolsey, which is George Strait's manager and me and Jeff oh, right. got connected and hit it off. And so he was producing, uh, Jeff was producing for my roommate. My roommate's William Michael Morgan. And so um, it just made sense to, to use him. And so we went in there. And uh, Jeff's actually the one that picked out that song. I didn't actually want to. I wasn't even planning on recording that song. That was a song that uh, me and Will Nance and Steve Dean wrote. Um, I don't know if you know those guys. Will Nance and, and Steve Dean have written a lot of big hits. They're older songwriters in Nashville. And they had songs like Roundabout Way for George Strait and They've had a bunch of big hits, but uh, I mostly write with the older guys. I like the way the older songwriters write versus a lot of the new writers. They always want to put so much. They put such a modern twist on it. It just, to me, it it just ruins every song. They try to make it so modern. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about writing with the old people is you can get a lot of tricks that they use that they've learned over years. You can pick up on a lot of the tricks that they use in writing and the way that they'll twist words up and the way they'll twist a phrase. And so Will is actually really the brains behind the song Breakfast of a Fool. We were sitting in there trying to write 
and I was out at his place with Steve and I think we'd been there for a couple hours and hadn't, hadn't had any good ideas. And, uh, so I went and got a, uh, a bottle of, uh, TX whiskey out of my truck and I was drinking coffee. <laughs> Everybody knows me as the guy with the coffee cup. Cause I have this coffee cup that was in the nineties that I don't wash. And I'm in there and I'm pouring coffee in there and I, I open that bottle of whiskey and, and I was like, maybe this will help. And Will just starts acting goofy and says, I drink my coffee black with a little shot of Jack. He's like, breakfast if I messed up, I need you back bad, kind of fool. And he's like, that's cool. We ain't never heard nothing like that before. A song called The Breakfast of a Fool. So that's what we wrote. Awesome. Now, are you in Texas or are you in Nashville? Because some of the people you mentioned are based out in Nashville, I think. So I live in both. I live in Texas and Nashville. The thing is, I play shows in Texas um, because you can't make a living in Nashville. The way Nashville set up, no matter what you do, you can't make a living. They screw you over no matter what you do. You can't get shows that pay anything because they'll get this newcomer down the road that can hardly sing that'll get up there and play for $50 for four hours. Yeah. There's not really a circuit. Yeah. I know yeah, what you're yeah versus coming down to Texas, you can get $1,500 for two hours for mm -hmm. two hours. So it doesn't make sense to stay in Nashville except to write and record. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, my managers that I had, uh, Joe Carter, and Mike Talaferro, they managed uh, Tracy bird. They're the one that got Tracy bird. His deal managed mm -hmm. him. And then they started managing William Michael Morgan. Uh, I don't know if y'all know William. William had a number one on country radio called I Met a Girl uh, back in oh, 2016. William Michael Morgan. Yeah. yeah no, he, he has a song. Oh, gosh. Now, I love this. He did a remake of, um, I want to say, uh, Behind Closed Doors. It was yeah. Behind Closed Doors. Yeah. Oh, my did. God. He did such a smoking hot version. And let me tell you something, Cameron. We don't like covers. <laughs> we are so excessively hard on covers, but his version of that song was just so smoking hot. I mean, it yeah, was just so yeah, good. Produced that. I was actually in the studio with him when they cut it. Um, and me and William hit it off, and uh, he knew that I was going to end up looking for a place to stay. So we ended up moving. I ended up moving in with him, and uh, it was like that for. I was in Nashville for about. I think about a year before I moved in with him and then I was with him for about a year until now I've, I've started going out on the road. Cause when I moved to Nashville, I didn't want to be an artist. I just wanted to be a songwriter. Okay. I care less about being an artist and I, I'm still kind of that way. I'm really not sold on the artist thing. I really just want to be a songwriter, but I figured out from talking with people like Mark Nestler and David Lee that you, you can't make it as a songwriter like you could back in the day when you could write a hit and make a million dollars. Um, and also, nobody's really recording the stuff that I write, and uh, I'm I'm still stuck in the '80s. My hero, my hero was always Dean Dillon, his writing. So I've always oh. kind of been stuck Dear in the '80s and early '90s. I haven't really got out of it. We just did an interview with Bernie Nelson, and he, um, Bernie Nelson, is he's based out of Texas now, but he was in Nashville for about 36 years. He he wrote. Um, Daddy yeah, I never know Bernie. He lives, uh, he's, he's only about 20 minutes from where I'm at right now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we just did an interview with him, but he was saying the same thing, the same thing you're saying right now. And you're talking about, um, you know, Bernie Nelson is someone who's a multi-platinum, you know, songwriter. I mean, he's had cuts on albums from, you know, on Kenny Chesney, 
you know, uh, George Strait. I mean, it, it's like a whole long list of who's who in country music, you know, Shenandoah. I mean, they've all recorded songs from Bernie. And um, like I say, a Bernie said the same thing that you're saying right now. It's the time, you know, those days when you could, you know, become a millionaire off of one song. I mean, those are like really far and few in between, if even existent nowadays. It's like really non-existent. Yeah, you know? it comes back to streaming royalties. Is what it comes back to. Right. Radio's mm -hmm. dying out. Nobody's buying physical copies anymore, um, and it's going to streaming. And the way Spotify's setting it up, and the new bill they're about to pass or, or pushing for is going to even cut songwriters even more. And songwriters don't make it. Is and mm -hmm. I'm actually right now down at David Lee's place. Um, David Lee was a huge songwriter for 20, 25 years in Nashville. Probably one of the biggest at the time when he was in Nashville. He wrote songs like 19 something um, for Mark Wills. Oh, Mark Will. mm -hmm. I Need yeah. You for Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Hits for George. I mean, he's got one for Lady Annabellum. I mean, Roll With It for East Urban. He's just had a ton of success in Nashville, but he saw the way it was going uh, when he was up there writing. And he got out right before everything really, everything hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the a lot of the uh, writers, old school writers that are up there still, are starting to see that, and they're starting to leave the town too, because it's not what it used to be. Yeah, I know, I know, and it's it's real sad to see that happen. But you know, I I do hear um, from a lot of the folks that we talk to that um, performing is worth that. You know, so you you know you go out and you you know, perform, you know, in as many places as you can. And and also you keep running with as many people as you can too, because you never know if something will hit, but you just can't depend on that. You yeah. Know, yeah. And the, what that, that's what really taught me into being an artist was, was talking really to David about it. Cause I just wanted to be a, a songwriter and David and Martin Esther, when I, when I sat down with both of them and talked to them, they both pretty much broke it down that you don't make, you don't make the living that they used to make writing songs mm -hmm. anymore. No. Mm -mm. And you can make no, it, no. you can make more money now than ever as an artist due to, right. due to streaming and everything, the way everything's set up, you can make way more as an artist. And uh, David's actually the one that, that wrote a lot of Cody Johnson's earlier stuff, like me and my kind. Hmm. You okay. I am. Wow. And, oh, great stuff. I love Cody. Not this, not this album, but the last album called "Ain't Nothing to It." That was a song David wrote. Wow, I love that song. That is such a good song. Yeah, well, David was writing with Cody way before um, he ever even came. Before record labels were even interested in him, is when David and Wim Varble started writing with Cody. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, let's hear your latest singles. Uh, "Breakfast for a Fool." Is that correct? Breakfast of a Fool. Breakfast of a Fool. Let's go ahead and hear that right now. I drink my coffee black with a little shot Jack, oh the breakfast of I messed up. I need you back, bad kind of fool. I light me a cigarette, take a drag of regret. 
the breakfast if I messed up I need you back back kind of fool used to be past me the sugar honey a little butter on my toes those good morning kisses out of all of the misses that's what I'm missing the most feed me a flat out like a big bowl of I'm alright the breakfast if I messed up I need you back back kind of I'll play it, boy. If I messed up, I need you back, back, kind of fool Oh, it's the breakfast If I messed up, I need you back, back, kind of fool I love the sound of traditional country. Uh, traditional country sounds like nothing else. Um, traditional country, I mean, you go to other genres like pop and rock and stuff, and, and some of them, you, it's almost like some songs you can't even tell the difference, what genre it fits into, but traditional country always had its own genre. And uh, I always loved the stories. If it was from a heartbreak uh, song that pulled at the heartstrings or uh a song about standing up for what's right. I mean, a song about uh, the greatest country that we live in, no matter what country, the country mm -hmm. genre is always, it felt like spoken the truth. And um, that's what I loved about uh, country music, mainly the sound. I love the steel guitar. I love everything about traditional country. Yeah. Harlan Howard said it was three chords in the truth, I think. Yeah. Three chords in the truth. 
That's it. That that's what it's all about. So um you mentioned a couple of folks earlier in our conversation, but I, I think that maybe I should ask you, you know, more directly, um, who are your musical heroes and why, Cameron? Um they're not an artist, I can tell you that. Um my musical heroes are always songwriters. Um Dean Dillon was always at the top of the list. I always loved Dean Dillon's writing, the way he 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 twisted stuff. Um, Dean Dillon's one of them. Uh, Martin Esler's another. And uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough that all these guys, when I came to town with the management that I had, they had the connections where they pretty much asked me who I wanted to write with, and I, I gave them a list of people that the people I wanted to write with. And so I pretty much got to write with my heroes for two. Wow. The first two years of being in Nashville, which was amazing. Me and Will Nance hit it off, and um, Will was another one of my heroes. I loved his writing. And uh, we hit it off, and, and we wrote, it seemed like, once every every week for about a year. And sometimes it was twice a week we would write. But me and Will really hit it off. And recently, um, I met David through Jesse, which is uh, his daughter, Jesse Lee, the girl, that, my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, David... We've, we've written a couple songs together so far, but it, it's his, the way these old writers write is what, is what made country music. The artist would be nothing without the writer. The, the, the writer was the backbone to country music for years. Um, and so David's one of them that, that uh, became like a songwriting hero to me, listening to the stuff that they wrote. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything you had to think about. It wasn't hard to listen to. It wasn't, it wasn't the songs weren't um, the songs weren't overly smart. It's the way they said it. It was like God, that was so simple to say, but nobody said it like that before. Right. And that's the way Dean Dillon wrote, and that's the way David writes, and Will Nance, and Martin Esler, and Byron Hill, and and all these guys. Um, if I had to put an artist on it, it would probably be Merle Haggard and George Strait would probably be the two people that I've always looked up to as artists. I always loved their music, no matter what they put out. I always loved every song. That's great. That's fantastic. Those are great guys, too. I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know. Um, I'd probably add, like, George Jones and, you know, <laughs> some others, but they're all in there, absolutely. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've, I've always liked George Jones. Um, two of the other guys that I always loved was, was Mark Chestnut and Tracy Bird. Oh, yeah. And um, I always loved Tracy Bird because he's such – a outgoing guy he doesn't he doesn't have he never let his hat go to his head mm-hmm. uh, me and me well, and Trey, we still text every once in a while he'll text me i mean he even texted me whenever breakfast of a fool came out and told me how much he loved the song and it just meant the world to me um that he spent time to reach out to me and text me about that song oh yeah absolutely wow that's awesome if you wanted to introduce someone to different country music, what song would you pick and why? Ooh. <laughs> That's a hard one, right? <laughs> I don't know. That is a hard one. Um, let me see. It would either be Famous Last Words of a Fool oh. or it would be The Chair. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. the chair, I think, is probably would be the one 
when you just listen to the writing, there's no song like that out there that's written like that, that Dean Dillon and um, what's his name? Not Frank Dacus, um, on blank. Uh, but yeah, Dean Dillon wrote that and, and George cut it, but the writing on that song, because uh, you, don't, you don't know what's coming on every line is what's cool about that song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And paint yeah. a story, you know. Yeah, it, yeah and at the cool. end, you, you figure out it. it wasn't even his chair anyways. It's like <laughs> a guy who walks up like, you got my chair talking to a girl. And and uh, it, that that'd probably be the song. Yeah, it's a very well-written song. It's a cool story, you know, and the arrangement. It's everything, yeah. I hear you. Everything about that song is just, you know, speaks traditional country music. Um, you know, along all the different lines that you would normally, you know, kind of look at, you know, to see if a song really kind of stands the test of time, you know, yeah. that one has, like, that's a standard, that song. That's awesome. Well, you know, it's been a pretty tough, you know, two years, I would say almost two years with COVID-19 and everything else. And um, so I'm wondering, you know, um, what has this whole pandemic thing taught you, if anything? Don't believe what the government says. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of things that uh, COVID's taught me. Um, well, then thinking that there's a, uh, I, I don't think anybody could imagined how COVID was going to affect everything. Um, but in my case, it's having new vehicles and stuff to be able to be on the road and then everything coming to a halt and uh, money wow. quit coming in, but it don't quit going out. Yeah. yeah. And so it really makes you um, prepare for the future better knowing that, that hard times like that could happen again and you need to be better suited and have money saved up. You don't need to have uh, bills where every month you're relying on these shows to pay all your bills. Um, so I think that that's mostly what COVID taught me. Hmm. To be better prepared. Uh, I don't think anyone could have ever thought this could happen here, you know, here in the U S you know, you always hear about these types of things, you know, like in other areas of the world. Um, but not here, I yeah. mean, you know, not, anyway, not in my lifetime, you know, I just, I've never, and, you know, I speak to the old timers because I, they've seen everything as far as I'm concerned. They can talk to you about, you know, times when other things happened, like other types of pandemics and stuff. And um, they've, they've even told me they've never seen anything like that, you know, where things were, you know, kind of in a, standstill almost you know yeah. i i never thought i'd see the day where all the honky tonks in texas closed up <laughs> yeah that that was a big thing was was texas shutting down you kind of knew well wow. something really going bad if, if texas is shutting down but texas was also the first state to open back up fully yeah. uh, and they did it on independence day yep there's no yeah. better way to celebrate it than open everything back up but still even though everything's open. It's still not open. A lot of these, a lot of these famous bars and honky tonks, they've, they've shut down and a lot of, some of them aren't opening back up because COVID hurt them so bad. 
Yeah, I, I've been reading about that. And that's all across the U.S. too. The, you know, some, you know, on the West Coast that were huge, you know, are no longer around. So that's, that's kind of scary that something like that can happen. Yeah, it is. That's what I hate about technology is getting, uh, heck, I, I, I'm, I'm so bad with technology. I can hardly even work my Instagram. It feels like every time I figure it out, it's <laughs> I'm very old tech. If I could, if I didn't have to have a touchscreen phone, I wouldn't have one. I'd go back to one of those, those little razor flip phones because you could get them in your pocket. <laughs> you get them in the front pocket of a pair of Wrangler jeans. These new ones, you can hardly get them in the back pocket. <laughs> Cameron, how old are you? I'm only 24. You're only 20. <laughs> Anna's 21. You, you sound like her. <laughs> well, I was raised. My parents. Um, my parents waited late whenever they had kids. So my, my parents are in their sixties right now. So I was raised by old school parents that yeah. uh, believed in working for what you get. And so yep. I was raised by a different class than what a lot of uh, my generation was raised by. Yep. Yep. Same here. Yep. Change of life, uh, a baby, you know, I'm like the youngest in my family. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, and that's true. You know, it's just a different mindset, you know, different way of approaching life. You know, that, yeah. that's the way I see it anyway. What's the toughest thing that you've been through and how did you get through it? Oh, at 24, you haven't really gone through too much. Uh, uh, well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say probably um, relationships, I think, are the hardest thing for anyone. I think in, at any age going through. Um, is probably a relationship and that's where I noticed that every, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Everybody that goes through a hard relationship, the one thing that they always turn to is music and music always gets people through hard times. Uh, no matter what it is, if it's uh, losing a loved one or anything, there's always a song that it feels like brings you comfort. And that's what I love about music. I definitely agree. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, that's a good segue into your other song, taking this leaving, taking this leaving too hard, too far, too far. There you go. Yeah. Taking this leaving too far. Let's go ahead and hear that song. Called her best friend John. Nobody's seen her, don't know what it means, but it's late and baby's not home. I've heard her before, but she always comes back. She never took it too hard. I'm thinking maybe, baby. Taking this leaving too far I heard a mention going to Tulsa I never thought she would But now I just noticed The ring on the dresser And Lord, this ain't looking good she never go further than a good crowd would take her 
when I hear her pull up in her car I'm thinking maybe, maybe Taking this leaving too far George Strait in your music. I, and you kind of sort of, um, Cameron, and, you know, take this the right way, of course, you know, you kind of sort of look a little bit like him when he was really young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to grow my hair out a little bit because uh, <laughs> I was getting, no matter where I went, if I was in Nashville and Texas, no matter what I did, um, everyone always said, you're like George Strait, George Strait. And then uh, <laughs> when Irv, Irv called me the George Strait starter pack. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I decided I'm going to, I need to change. I'm not trying to change my appearance too much, um, but I'm trying to grow my hair out a little bit um, and tuck it behind my ears. So maybe I won't look as much like George Strait, but heck, even when I grow my hair out a little bit, people still say it. <laughs> Jeff Sylvie, I was just uh, in a meeting last week with Jeff Sylvie that works for George and Irv. Mm -hmm. And you said, it's not that people, People think you sound like him when he's when you sing. It's that whenever you talk, so whenever yeah. you talk, you, you sound like George Strait, and, and you look like him is what it is. He said you got a yeah. voice than George, but whenever you talk in songs like "Breakfast of a Fool," they were freaking out in the studio whenever I was talking on that song at the end of it because they said that sounds just like young George Strait. Yeah, you do. It's not a bad thing, though. You know, I mean, it's clear that you're not trying to sound like anyone but yourself. I mean, that's real clear. But there are some similarities in your physical appearance. And then, you know, yeah, and the way you speak as well. So, you know, <laughs> hey, there are worse things in this world, Cameron. Yeah, there's worse things to be called. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. They're like, they're always like, well, you, you got a baby face and George Strait had a baby face. And I'm thinking, well, good. That means I age good. When I'm 40, I look like I'm 30, hopefully. There you go. So our next question is probably the most feared question in our entire podcast. Uh, I'll let you ask, Anna. Go ahead. Is the question everyone dreads. If you're on a deserted island, what five albums would you have to have and why? You got to put on your thinking cap on this one. Man, I don't know. I think it, um, shoot, well, we, Deserted Island. We even have Deserted Islands anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm just going to say, I'm going to say George's first five albums. <laughs> That's right. the easiest way to say it. I think I'd say George Strait's first five albums because uh, those are his first, his first uh, 10 or eight albums, whatever it was, from 81 to like 92. Those are my favorite uh, albums that he ever put out. So it'd probably be those. And oh, uh, cool. I'd be on the beach in my underwear singing up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's cool. Those, those are good albums, uh, Cameron. So those are good picks. Absolutely. I want some songs that are timeless. I don't want to hear any of that modern stuff that gets old after the third time you've heard it. Yeah, some people do that stuff okay. Like, for example, I don't mind. Um, let me see here. So I, I don't mind uh, some of John Party's stuff. Like, he's got some stuff like um, that one song. They used to call me country, or they used to call it country. That's a good song. Have you heard that? I don't think so. I don't. I don't really listen to John Party much. Uh, his jeans are too tight. I, like <laughs> I think he got them out of his wife's closet. By oh come on, be nice, Gary. And then I don't mind Luke Combs either. You know, I like, Luke Combs. I like some of Luke Combs stuff. Yeah, I don't. Um, I really just don't. I I hate. Uh, I hate drinking songs with a passion. Even though I got Breakfast of a Fool out there, I hate the. And William Michael Morgan did it best when he put out that song, uh, "Broken Hearted." And it's pretty much saying nobody's broken hearted anymore in country music. It's all about. Uh, it's all about parties now. It's all about oh, raising beer and all. Of and and I'm just so sick of that. It feels like every time I turn on the radio, it's something about. It's something about grabbing a beer or drinking or something, and. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, well, I'm just a fan of, of, of the writing in modern country songs. Yeah, I like the, um, well, you know, I like the uh, drinking songs that are about heartbreak and things like that. You know, the good old-fashioned ones, you know? Yeah, but stuff like Country Girl Shake It For Me, I'm thinking that is the dumbest, like, did your drink girl write that song for you? <laughs> Cameron, come on, be nice. I think he has the right not to be nice about song names like that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's some crazy stuff out there, like this hip-hop stuff that's out there now. Yeah. I just don't, I guess when I don't understand something, it's hard for me to even, you know, appreciate it or like it, because I, I have to first understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some of this stuff I just don't understand. I mean, some of the references I don't get either. <laughs> so I no, don't I don't. <laughs> I'm so bad on on the uh i don't even know what they call it they even got a word for it but the way that young people talk like when people send me a text message and they'll put like four letters together i'm like what are you talking about yeah exactly that's llmk like i'm like what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i don't know what the heck they're saying <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of tough, you know, so some of those songs, you know, but there's still some bright spots. Like I'm, I don't know. Have you heard Alan Jackson's latest album? Where have I you? I haven't. Oh, um, oh my goodness. You have to. I'm sure it's good. I, I've always been a fan of a lot of the, the stuff that Alan Jackson. Uh, well, that's why I was always a fan of Alan Jackson because he wasn't like a lot of artists like George Strait that didn't write their songs. Alan wrote a lot of his songs mm -hmm. like Pearl Haggard did. And mm -hmm. so I was yeah. always a fan of Alan uh, because of that. Yeah, well, this last album, it's like a double album. It has over 20 songs on it. And they're all Stone Cold Country songs, Cameron. you I think you would really like 
this album that he put out. It reminds me a little of um I know have you ever heard his first album called Here in the Real World? Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. Okay. Well, if you like that album, I think you'll like this brand new one uh from Alan Jackson. About the only criticism I have is that there are a lot of slow songs. That, like there are more slow songs than anything else. And that kind of weighs the album down a little bit, but it's good music though. You know, even, I mean, it, you know, it is a lot of slow songs though. And they always tell you have to break it up a little, not yeah. just that, all, you know? I, all I really write are mostly slow songs. I've never really cared to write fast songs. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think writing in Nashville for two years, writing every day, sometimes two and three times a day, Still, if I was to go through, uh, if I could ever find the catalog of the songs that I've got, probably 90% of them are slow songs. Mm, okay, gotcha. So um, as it is right now, because I just want to make sure I get this straight. So you're actually living in Nashville, but you are touring in Texas. Is that correct? No, I'm, I'm living in Nashville, but also living in Texas. You're uh, living in both places. Yeah, we got a place in both of them. We're not actually going to be, I won't be in Nashville much anymore, period. Um, I'm really burnt out on Nashville. I'm burnt out on the way that Nashville is run. Yeah. Uh, and the way the music business is run. And so the only way you'll ever find me in Nashville anymore is if I'm recording, having to track songs, or I just have a write with someone up there. But I'm mostly going to be writing in Texas. Um, I'm going to be moving down here uh, by San Antonio. I'm going to be writing with David Lee a lot. Um, okay. At least I write with in Texas. And so I really, Nashville doesn't really have anything that they can give me uh, because I don't care to have a record deal or anything. So um, I'm mostly, most of my time will be in Texas or on the road in Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, Montana. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you'll expand out of there as well, you know, when you start releasing more songs and, you know, and more people start finding out about you. So that's how George Strait did it. People don't know George Strait never moved out of Texas. <laughs> yeah, he's still down here. I actually, I got it. I was so excited. I got invited to his ranch. Oh, wow. Last, and uh, that snowstorm hit at the time I was supposed to go down. Uh, I didn't get invited by George. It was one of, I think, his nephew or someone. Mm-hmm. And I, it was a friend of a friend is how, how it happened. We were both going to drive down from Tennessee and take my pickup and drive all the way down to Texas. And that snowstorm hit the week we were going to go. That's awesome, though. At least you were invited. So if, uh, the way I see if you were invited once, you can be invited again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's still good. Well, he's down nice. here. He, he still lives down here by San Antonio. So maybe I'll eventually oh. I'll get to run into him maybe mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, um, I think, you know, if you want to be like a songwriter, like just a songwriter, sometimes Nashville might make sense, but you can't really earn a living that way anymore. So if you're someone that performs, it's, you know, it's better for you to get out there and perform so that people can get to know you, you know, and get to know your music, you know, and get yourself a good record promoter. That's important, too. Um, down the road, you know, someone that can pitch you to uh, the radio, Texas radio, especially. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I've, I've actually got breakfast of a fool is actually playing all over Texas right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a radio promoter or nothing. I looked at it as I'll, I'll run a promotion on, uh, on Instagram about the song being out and I'm going to let it do what it does. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Is is I just put them out there, and then and then radio stations are actually have started reaching out wanting to play the song, and so I'll send them the song. Yeah, happening, and then they'll get it and. And they'll call me and tell me that, that it's doing really good. It has a lot of good feedback. And so they start pitching it to other radio stations. So that's really kind of how it's uh, got out is by word of mouth. Yeah, that's how we found it. That's how we found you. I mean, we just, you know, saw it on, a, I, you know, I, I don't know if it was Facebook or something. And we heard the song. We were like, wow, this is a great song. And, you know, and basically we spend it a couple of times and we started getting some good feedback and we were like, well, we need to reach out to him because, you know, th this song is getting a lot of good feedback from our audience. So, yeah. So I guess it must be working, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly how word, word of mouth always works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So tell um, the fans where they can connect with you. So um, I know you have a Facebook. Can you give us what your handles are across social media? So I got a Facebook. I don't know how to work it. Um, <laughs> I have not figured out how to work the Facebook music page. I have an Instagram that I get on every once in a while. I mean, if you look on that, I think I've got 33 posts since mm -hmm. 2012. So I really, I, I hate social media. I hate the idea of social media. It takes up so much time. And I feel like so many people would be more creative without social media. Without, mm -hmm. If they didn't have a phone to look at, songwriters would have would have more time to spend writing because they wouldn't have anything else to do. And I really don't get on social media a whole lot. Um, I do have an Instagram. It's it's just my name, Cameron Wrinkle. Okay. And then I have a, I have like a, everything on Spotify, and I have a website. And uh, soon I'll have merch on Good. the website where people can buy caps and shirts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, but besides that, I don't I don't have a Twitter. I don't have any other social media besides that i'm i'm actually very i'm more old school in a lot of ways i mean every night um me and jesse we sit down and play cards mm. every night and we have been for a long time so that's usually what we do instead of watching a movie or something we'll we'll sit down and break out a deck of cards and we'll play all kinds of card games oh do you guys play quarters <laughs> quarters i don't even know what that is <laughs> Well, it's basically any card game. And, you know, if you, whoever has the losing hand has to like drink, you know, that's basically. Oh. What it's <laughs> I, don't, I don't really, I don't drink much. Uh, so mm. I really don't do any kind of drinking games. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. You know, that way you can, you know, stay sharp, you know, with your songwriting. Because as we know, especially in country music, there's such a long legacy of people, you know, kind of overdoing it and messing themselves up right oh yeah yeah people artists a lot of times that, that have a drinking problem um i don't know i'm just I, i'm i'm against drinking at shows 100 percent. what's cool i mean there's some people in nashville that get up get up there and the guy will get on the mic and be like i'm so drunk i'm, I'm hot yeah they can yeah. like you know what what an idiot you look like up there saying that right well, and you Everybody know, wants to go pay money to go buy a ticket and come to your show. You're going to be up there half drunk and not even be able to get the words right. Not, I don't. Nobody sounds better singing when they're drunk than no. they do when they're sober. Even though they might think so in their mind, right? They don't sound better. Cameron, that's the difference between being a, a professional and being. You can be a, a paid musician and have his and still be you know, an unprofessional person. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you don't get to go to your workplace 
and go sit at a desk and pop a pop a top. No, it's a it's a job is what it is. And if you don't treat it like a job, if you treat it like a party, eventually that party's uh, the lights are going to go out on that party and it's going to be over and you're going to be sitting there broke with nothing. And then no, nobody's going to no no manager, nobody, anybody's going to want to give you a shot because of how you screwed it up, how you're known. Your name is known as this guy that's a partier. Right. Cameron, your parents did a fine job with you. I can tell you, um, because I have a couple years on you. And um, Anna Marie is closer to your age, but um, that's a really good mindset to have. And I pray to God that you never, ever change. And you will see that more opportunities will come your way if you treat this as a profession and you maintain your, you know, professionalism. That makes a big difference. Um, you could be the best singer on, you know, planet Earth, but if you're an unprofessional person, you don't show up for your gigs, or when you show up, you're, you know, um, you know, drunk or, you know, spewing, you know, bad words and things like that. Guess what? People won't want to have you in their club or in their venue. And yeah, um, and I think another thing is staying is is uh, the the reason I always like George Strait is you don't see photos of him at a bar drinking. You don't see oh, no. George mm-hmm. Strait has a profession and then he's got a life. And too many people they mix that together, and mm-hmm. their their life and their profession get tangled up. And that's what mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of them that you, you start seeing them out getting drunk in Nashville and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I think. If I if I ever make it big enough, I'm gonna have a ranch in Texas that whenever I'm off the road, you're not ever gonna see me. I'm gonna be on the ranch every day. Mm-hmm. Well, Alan Jackson is the same way. I've never seen a picture of him out there getting drunk or anything like that. Never. Yeah. You know. So I mean, that there's something to be said about that about being professional. Well, we've had uh, an amazing time talking to you and getting to know you better. Um, this particular podcast episode will appear in our new traditionalist podcast series. Um, it's we have it's under Stone Cold Country. We have on the brink. And then the new traditionalist podcast series is basically where we highlight, you know, new traditionalists, you know, like yourself that are putting out new music, but the music is traditional country music. So um and we're so happy that you know there are so many fine uh, young men like yourself that are still putting out, you know, that real good stone cold country music. Are you um, fixing on putting together an album in the future? Or, you know, are you thinking about that? Or Yeah, so that's what I had a meeting for um, in Nashville last week. We were going to do a whole album, but we're really on a time crunch. I got this old school Christmas song that's like a swing song. Oh. It sounds like something George would have put out in the 80s on a Christmas album. And, uh, so I think we're going to go in and cut six songs the uh, November 1st. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have that song. It's called If Santa Was a Cowboy. And awesome. uh, it'll be coming out uh, for Christmas time. And then I'll, I'll release one more single. And then we'll go in and finish cutting the project to do a whole album. Mm-hmm. Well, send that to me when it becomes available so that we can start spending it. Just send me a link or a file on Facebook if you want to or uh, I think you have our emails and stuff because uh, I'd love to, to include that. Um, but you're going to go in in November to cut the uh, Christmas thing. Is that correct? Yeah, we're going to go in. We're going to cut one that one Christmas song and then we're going to cut uh, five more songs for the album. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll probably pick another single out of all that to put out. We, we might just put out an EP. Mm-hmm. We might hold off for after the first of the year and put out a full album. I just don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, depends yeah, if I have songs yeah. that I think um, are, are really what I want to say. Right. You're better off waiting until the first of the year to put out anything that's non-Christmas, honestly. Because any if you put anything out now that's like non-Christmas, it's just gonna get lost in all the new music. Oh yeah, coming. yeah. When Christmas yeah. starts coming out, it's gonna get it's gonna get put on the back burner. Um, yeah, yeah. You you're better off, you know, with other stuff that's not Christmassy or holidayish. You're better off waiting until next year. And who knows? Maybe we'll be in a better place with all this uh, so. pandemic stuff, you know, as well. Well, sounds real good. Hey, we want to really appreciate you, Cameron. It was a blast talking to you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we appreciate you. You take care and you stay safe, too, all right? You take too. care, Cameron. Bye, Cameron. Bye. Later. All right, bye-bye. The New Traditionalist 2021.